Good evening, everyone. My name is Brian, and tonight is Thursday, March 30th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. And tonight we're talking about finding purpose through adversity. My guest is a best-selling author that has found his calling through some pretty adverse conditions. He's the author of 14 Days in Beijing, You Love and You Learn, and also Real Love Never Dies. Here to tell his story chat about his books and whatever else we kind of run into because that's kind of how the show goes we just go down rabbit holes uh i'd like to welcome to lots to talk about chancellor jackson how's it going hey, man what's going on blessings and balance to you brian blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now big shout out to the viewers y'all the real mvps appreciate y'all for having me beautiful beautiful yeah this is uh this is unusual so usually when i do pre-records i do live shows on monday nights and then i do a thursday night release where if i'm not busy i hang out in the chat uh but it's just easier there's a lot of guests that can't do live uh at six in the night and uh, so i so i i opened up to have this other opportunity usually i'm re i'm recording like a month ahead of time this one's coming out tomorrow night so this is gonna be like real time so i'm always i'm always talking to people i'm like yeah we're talking about this in april and it's coming out in the middle of may so hey <laughs> coming out tomorrow night man this is cool oh, yeah. so yeah. hey introduce yourself to my audience who is chancellor jackson i'm going to get into your your story here in a little bit but who are you now man what what's going on with you uh, i mentioned you're an author you have some books is that uh is that who you are and, and all you do right now um I, I, I wear a lot of different hats um chancellor k jackson is the name from atlanta georgia born and raised um, I played football the vast majority of my life, so that is a huge component to just me, my character and personality and all of that. Um, so I played in high school and got to play all throughout college down at Stetson University, where I obtained my bachelor's degree in communication and media studies. So what we're doing right now is slick my cup of tea, for sure. <laughs> um, but ironically, I landed my first job teaching English to children in China. So that's how I ended oh, up nice. over there. And um China was absolutely amazing. Best experience I've ever had by far. I always encourage people to travel abroad, but if you could live abroad someplace. Hey, was man. that right? Was that right out of right out of college? Yeah. So you you just uh, you, you didn't flounder around doing stuff and then find something like that. So this is fresh out of uh, fresh out of college. So this is the first job that finally tell me yes after eight months of applying and being told no. And I was mainly applying for corporate positions. So once I reapproached my job searching, I stopped looking into corporate and tapped in with you know, just social skills, you know what I'm saying, social work and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, first job to tell me yes on the other side of the world. Um, so that's, <laughs> that played out, you know what I'm saying? It's, I'm like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do, clearly. I mean, yeah, I mean, but what a what a great opportunity at the right time where you're not settled in, you're not, you don't, you don't have the wife and the kids and, yep. you know, it's five years in and you lost your job and now you're looking for something new. Um, why not give it a give I mean, it a rip? Let's go. Exactly. So it was like shit. Let's, and I've always been interested in China. You know what I'm saying? In the introduction of my book, um, I flashback to a table conversation that I had one Saturday morning with my mom and my brother. I was probably like seven, eight years old, and my mom asked him and I, "What's three places in the world y'all want to go?" And I make sure that we go. And I instantly said, "China." She's like, "Why China?" The only logical reason I had at that young age was that's where everything is made. I want to go to the land where everything <laughs> is made. You know what I'm saying? So. 
You know, it's just that table you, conversation. You learn to read and you learn to le- read labels. You went, yeah, I want to go to this China place. <laughs> yeah, they got all the product. We America, we supposed to be the big dog. We ain't got no product. You know what I'm saying? Everything we got made from over there. So I want to go see what they're doing over there. Nice, um, nice. But so it was crazy how full circle um, that conversation came. And you know what I'm saying? It was definitely a catalyst <laughs> of change. You know what I'm saying? Of what, you know what I'm saying? To put me in. The, on the path to what you know what I'm saying what I got going on now because like I said I play football bro so once football came to the end I was at a crossroad bro. I embodied the student athlete and football player to the fullest you know what I'm saying right. and it was like damn what's next what are we finna do how are we gonna bounce back you know what I'm saying what you did, like was there a, was there a point I mean did you did you foresee yourself going on beyond college with football is that yeah, something no, i knew that sophomore you year you knew that a long time before year. so you knew you you knew you had to have a, yeah. a plan b I, I i've known a lot of, i've known a lot of people that wasted a lot of time when it was blatantly obvious and only to just not them that man you better figure this shit out because this a, it's a little percentage that actually makes any money going right. on with sports i love it for the sport but um <laughs> have a I was like, I was gonna cross that bridge when I got to it. You know what I'm saying? Right now, just live fully in the moment. You, this is awesome. something that we really wanted to do. Play not just college football, but Division One college football. It's millions of high school athletes out there that all strive for the same thing. A small percentage actually makes it to this level, and an even smaller percentage finishes. So the fact that I did that, hey, bro. Hey, yeah, that's fantastic. You know what, what, what position did you play? Defensive back. So corner, free safety, strong safety. You know what I'm saying? I, that's the only positions I played my entire football career. It was all in the secondary. Oh, <laughs> nice. Sure. nice, nice, You weren't you weren't in one of those you weren't one of those guys that played quarterback and then was a little oh, too no. small, so they started no. moving him around. My first position was uh, free safety, and then from free safety went to strong safety, then the corner, and played corner in college, and then strong safety my senior year in college. So nice. Uh, yeah, it's true. Those, DB those are the guys I like. So. I grew up watching football. I never played myself. I play. I was on the other field in the fall. We played soccer in my in okay. my town. So, but uh, I I grew up uh, watching the Buffalo Bills. We went to a lot of the games. I went through all like the '90s uh, Super Bowl runs and everything. But after the games, I used to hang out with some of the players because I had some connections through my dad. And my guys that I hung out with were like Nate Odoms and Henry Jones and those guys in the secondary for the Bills oh, on all those Super Bowl <laughs> years. Those those were my guys. So, hey, man, I, I like the secondary. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, me. So, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, once football came to end, I'm just – I got to recreate – I got to find a whole new identity. You know what I'm saying? I got to re-identify myself. I learn and relearn all over again. Um and it's people was, that's, was that were you well were you open to that? I mean, did oh, you yeah, did sure. you you want I mean a lot of people are, are looking for that opportunity and some people a lot of people are scared of it. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> fact that you embrace it and you're like, let's figure it out. I'm kind of in that transition right now. Um, I so I was I was wondering if you if you just kind of jumped in or if you were hesitant. Um, yeah. but it sounds like it was a welcome change and so you Football took it comes to an end eventually for everybody. You know what right. I'm saying? Some make it to the top level, but at, still, it's going to come to an end eventually. Right. Hopefully, you done made your money and you, done did, you were smart with it. So, you know what I'm saying? You really ain't got to worry too much as far as your next endeavor. But still, it's still going to be a crossroad. Like, you're still going to have to deal with, go through that phase of like, oh, just what's next? You know what I'm saying? Now that right. this is over. Um, so, I knew I just, I was going to have to start somewhere. I had no clue where I was going to start. So, 
I was like, I got to try a bunch of stuff until I figure it out. For real, for real. And how? So you found this job. So it was not really in your in your where you were looking. So <laughs> no. how how does somebody convince you to move to China to teach kids English? Um, on like was where did you find the job? Was it just in a random job listing? No, I was. And, and... Um, I think I was on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn and Indeed. There was and Glassdoor. That was my my bread and butters when it came to like looking for jobs. Yep. Um, and I just hungry, bro. Hungry. You know what I'm saying? Opportunists. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I want to. I have high expectations for myself. I have a standard set of. You know what I'm saying? The way I want to live, the amount of money I want to be making. So, it's like that takes huge balls, though. I mean, you just, I applied for a job and yeah, I'm going to move to China. <laughs> hey, the first, you, you got to think about it. So I started applying for corporate positions, sales, marketing, management, that whole nine. I'm landing interviews. These folks flying me out, putting me up in hotels, renting me cars, all the whole nine. And I did this process for eight months and I kept getting told no. And they kept hitting me with the same excuse. Oh, you like the experience. We're going to go with somebody with a little bit more experience. But it's like, y'all knew that when I submitted my resume. Right. Well, we said all this up. You sell that on my resume. I had no experience. Now, I didn't got in front of y'all face. I don't know what this shifted the paradigm. But whatever y'all say, I've been in this position before, especially when I was trying to find a college to play. I wasn't highly recruited out of college. I mean, I had a high school. I had no scouts. None of that. I made I got myself into school, reaching out. Right. To school, right. Emailing. I did all of that. So I was able to land that opportunity. And I got told no a million times before I finally got it. Yet. So I've been in this position before. And it's like. Clearly, corporate might not be for you, family. We need to re, re reapproach this job searching thing. Like the universe is making that plain as day. We got close, <laughs> but I ain't been able to real nothing in for real. So, hey, let, let, let's look into something else. So, with me just switching up, I was like, "What are you good at doing? Are you good at talking to people, working with people?" That sounds like social work. So I just typed in social work in the search engine and hit enter. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like I was just applying for jobs in Georgia and in Florida. No, I'm applying for jobs across the nation. I'm getting flown out all over the place. But I, nobody's giving me a, a green light. I switched my job searching up, just typing social work, and then I'm going through the filters, and I noticed this button I never noticed before in the filter section. It said international. I said, damn, why haven't I thought to look outside the U.S. for opportunities? I'm shooting myself in the foot. I look, uh, see what, let me see what's going on around the world. That's what I saw. Teach English to kids in China. I'm like, Man, that sounds lit. Always been interested in China one and teaching. I'm like, I, I feel like I can do that. That's how I've been applying jobs up to this point anyway. I feel like I can do it. I'm gonna apply. So I read the job description. I'm like, okay, just you know what I'm saying it seems pretty straight. What are the requirements? Bachelor's degree, no matter what your degree is in, clean background, native English speaker. All right, bet how do I apply? Submit a resume, <laughs> nothing but two clicks of a button. I'm like, right, boom, boom. I go on by my search, don't think nothing of it. Hit back from the recruiter, we set up an interview. Do the interview. A few days pass. Uh, the recruiter reaches back out to me. It's like, hey, we want to move forward with you as a candidate. So after all this time, I didn't graduate. I'm back home. You know what I'm saying? All this trial and error. The first job to finally tell me, yes, on the other side of the world. But this is what we finna do. It's no if, answer, buts about it. This is it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The China want to rock with me. They, all right, let's go. Let's do it. And it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> right. It was lit. Right. It was lit for show for show. The people were extremely nice. Um, they actually teaching it was it was a vibe kids are kids no matter where you are in the world you know what i'm saying that, kids and kids. kids are easier to, kids are easier to to teach um yeah. than adults i found i i did some substitute teaching when i was like would be home on college break my mom yeah. was a was an elementary school teacher so okay. she got me on the list that they would call and i did like k 
kindergarten gym and yeah. like third grade, <laughs> third grade science and that stuff. And I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> oh, me, especially PE. Oh, come on, that ain't nothing but games. And then I well, just- you gotta understand, I was I was a 19 year old kid. I'm six foot five. 250 pounds and i walked into a gym with a bunch of kindergartners and i went i don't know what these kids do <laughs> what, what the, i'm like i'm like go run around i like they're like we play games i'm like what games i don't play games. man get them balls out huh y'all go head on <laughs> for real so you know what i'm saying it was lit and um food you know what i'm saying from food to people working exploring beijing meeting the other foreigners out there it was man the nightlife, oh my goodness, it was the best experience by far. I encourage everybody to travel abroad, but if you can live abroad someplace else, man. So what year what year would what year was this that you went over and started working? This is I entered China on October 10th, 2018. 2018, okay. Yeah. And then um so I suppose my contract was set for a year. So I'm living my best life, experiencing all that Beijing has to offer. And then on April 4th, 2019. That's when things take a turn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm arrested in my apartment and then served 14 days in one of their penitentiaries. Um, and then after my release, I was immediately deported from the country and I was came back to America and I was back. It was back at square one all over again, just like when football came to end. And what was, what did the, you get arrested for? So um, I'm in my apartment. I'm finna get ready to head to a team builder event that my company was hosting and we was going to be customizing our own Chinese fans. So before I go, I'm like, hey, I'm a pregame. So I'm in the apartment. I'm drinking some Chinese wine coolers. I'm smoking some cannabis on my little pipe. I get done, get dressed, make sure I got everything before I get ready to walk out the door. Um, I hear a knock. Guests aren't unfamiliar, so I'm curious to see who it is. I look through the people, and there's the three officers from the Beijing police. Instantly got spooked, was sick to my stomach. You know what I'm saying? So I scrambled to put everything up, open the door. Um, they answered and they questioned me about uh, drugs. Now I'm from Atlanta, aka the city of finesse. You live <laughs> by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So they asked me about drugs. I'm sitting there playing the fool like I don't know what they talking about drugs. What? What you talking about, family? I don't know. Passport? Yeah, man, you might want to see my passport. You got me confused with somebody else. Let me go. So did they? Do they speak English or did you speak Chinese uh, no, or no. was there? Was there it just was, a, language it's a language barrier? barrier? It's a language barrier. So he spoke into his phone and showed. So I'm reading the translation uh, through the translation app on his phone. Um, so I'm like, drugs? Nah, but you tripping. Nah, let me go grab my documentation. So I go grab all my documentation and bring it over uh, for him to look over. So he sits down. He's looking over my documents. The other two officers, they're just walking around the apartment, just scoping it out. You know what I'm saying? Just got wandering eyes. Nothing too crazy. A few minutes pass. Another officer enters the apartment. And he has something in his hand. He hands that item to the officer that I was originally talking to, and that officer communicates to me that I need to pee into the cup, so it's a drug test right there on the spot. And right then and there, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> I was like, it's over with. Uh, so we do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course. Um, and now, out of nowhere, seemingly, it's like eight officers in the apartment. I don't even know where these folks came from. And one officer in particular speaks English for me. He's questioning me about failing the drug test. When's the last time I smoked? If I had any more, where I get it from? You know what I'm saying? Blah, 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 blah. Like I said earlier, you live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So me and this officer, we just going back and forth. Mind you, I'm still high as Orion. The moment <laughs> is big. I'm pissing down my leg. He's still trying to keep my composure. So every question he posed to me, the first thing that caught in my mind, I'm just blurting out. I don't even think about it. I'm just blurting out answers. And it got to a point within the interrogation where I was catching myself in my own lie. So I mean, the fact 
he was more than likely to catch me in the same lot. <laughs> but you live by finesse. <laughs> you, you, by finesse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So once he realized that I wasn't giving him anything that he would work with, that's when he just made it clear, like, hey, man, the charade is up. You know what I'm saying? It's over with. You caught right hand. I'm like, all right, for sure. I died by the finesse this time. It's all good. I lived to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. So I fess up to it. They confiscate everything, slap the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, and send me down in the police van. And you know what I'm saying? I'm just in disbelief of what just transpired and curious to see how this thing for the play out. Um, so we get to Yeah, I would be I would be very um I mean I spent I, I mean I spent like DUI time in jail. I've yeah. always never really ever wanted to go to any sort of jail, even in the United States. Um, and I'm very careful not to do things to get me put in jail, <laughs> but, uh, I can't even imagine going and the ride to go someplace where I know they don't speak English. I, I know, I know. I mean, maybe a couple of guards do, but none of the other inmates, maybe you get hooked up with some other dude that got rolled in because he would happen to be English speaking or something, but I'd be really sketched out pretty quick. I was just in the moment, you know what I'm saying? Very, very in the moment. I'm, I'm still high, you know what I'm saying? So I was just I like, it's going that to be How, how is the weed in China? So we were smoking hash, man. Okay. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? I was geeked up, trust me. Yep, <laughs> so yep. we ride and we get to one precinct, and we're there briefly, like 20 minutes. But at that first precinct, I'm just sitting there handcuffed and just reflecting. And I remember <laughs> telling myself, how, I don't know how this thing's going to play out. But when it's all said and done, I know I'm going to be good. Like, I'm still going to be me. My mental still going to be intact. My spirit still going to be strong. Like, I'm still going to be here. I don't know what I'm going to have to endure. But I, when it's all said and done, I know I'm going to be good. So with that being said, take note of every minor detail. Because this is going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And most importantly, boy, enjoy this high one last time because we don't know what's going to happen to us. Were they telling you, did you happen to know um, the severity like going into like I know I know if if I'm walking down the street here and I got a joint in my hand and they take me in that, you know, I might have to pay five hundred dollars or I might get a day in jail. Like, I don't know in China if I get caught smoking hash. Am I going to jail for a year? Or am I going to jail for five oh, years? Or you know, yeah, did you did you have any idea of the severity no, just because you lived you there for a little while? That's what makes fourteen. That's why fourteen days is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's an entire mystery, the entire book until you get to the end. You don't know oh, okay. what's gonna happen, how long you're gonna be there. Nothing is explained to you. You learn as you go. <laughs> no <laughs> really. you know shit. That's why. That's why it went number one as many times as it did. So. Ah, um, man, this. OK. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they come get me from the uh, they come get me and we get back in the van. I'm like, OK, where are we going now? So we ride in 30 minutes past. We had another precinct. This one's a little bit bigger, has holding cells. So they had me change clothes and throw me in a holding cell by eight other Chinese dudes. And I'm in the holding cell for about 20 minutes before they come get me and take me to the basement of the precinct. Uh, and then we enter this white room. And in the center of this white room, this is all metal chair that looks like an electric chair. So they walk me over to the chair and they open it up and then they looking at me and I'm looking back at them. I look at the chair, look back at them, look at the chair again, look back at them like, y'all really want me to sit down in this type of chair? And they looking at me with a straight face. So I went on here to sit down. <laughs> and this thing locked my shins, thighs, chest, arms, 
getting weights all in one place. So I'm locked in this chair like this here. Only part of my body I could move is my head. So uh, two officers enter the room. One officer is doing the, uh, the interrogation. This is the official interrogation. So one is asking all the questions. The other one is transcribing. But by this time, it was plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So I gave my fabricated story. Um, we go through it. Once we're all done, they, uh, the other officer brings a transcription over for me to review. Mind you, everything is written in Mandarin. So I have no clue what this thing is. For. But they say to sign it. I sign it. They say thumbprint it. I thumbprint it. And they release me from the chair. All right, we go back upstairs, take my mugshot, handprint, and um, they throw me back in the holding cell. And now I'm just reflecting on the entire day from what took place at the apartment to, you know what I'm saying, the interrogation, what I could have did. Did you tell him you found it in the apartment when you got there? Please tell me. No, no, no. I told him, like I said, I was at the mall, one of the malls out there, and, you know what I'm saying, walking. I was leaving the mall and walking to the, uh, the, uh, the train station. And this dude stopped me. He's like, hey, bro, you, you know what I'm saying? You smoke? You know what I'm, I'm like, what you talking about? He's like, you know what I'm saying? Smoke. Like, What's up? You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? I followed him to back to the mall, to the parking dude, lot. you got to say, I, I found the magic box in the, <laughs> in the apartment when I got there. I just found this box, and I opened it up, and I was like, what is this? I should try it. Yeah. <laughs> I, trust me, afterwards, I was like, man, I could have said this. I said, I, I was coming up with just different scenarios of what I could have did better than what all popped up and what I could have said better than interrogation. But I'm like, regardless <laughs> with me failing the drug test, I was damned either way. Yeah. If I had it, yeah, with me doing it, you feel you can, they drug test you, your, your piss come back dirty. That's crazy. They do that right on the spot in your apartment. Oh, it can be anywhere. It can be in a club, someplace in public. They will, they can do that anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's not America. <laughs> it's, it's, right, right, right. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, I might be going, man, that Chinese job. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but now my high is finally coming down. I, you know what I'm saying? It's the, we got a window in the cell. So as I look up at the window, the sun is fading more and more into the still darkness. So hours have passed. Um, I'm fading in, in and out of consciousness. And they finally come get me from the holding cell, walk me to the lobby. And bring my best of clothes to me get dressed. So I'm like, oh, okay, best. See, look, when you work with these people, you comply, your energy good, everything work out in your favor. So I get dressed and wait for the next set of orders. Um, they had me follow them through this door that's behind the front desk in the lobby. And now we're in the hallway. At the end of this hallway is a small room. I have no clue what this room is, but I'm following the CO2. And I'm like, I'm going to find out soon enough. Into the room, I can only guess this is some sort of evidence room. Just got to see evidence bags everywhere. No sense of organization or structure is just hoarded. Um, but in the center of the room is the table, and in the center of the table is everything that was confiscated from my apartment. So one officer sits down at the table, and he weighs up the weed right there in front of me. Now, this is an interesting phase within the book because as a reader, you're curious to know how much does he actually have on him. One. Two, when have you ever heard or saw law enforcement weigh whatever they just confiscated from you in front of you? I thought that was very interesting and weird. Um, but three, like I said earlier, I don't receive no information whatsoever this entire ordeal. Um, but with that being said, I received a lot of signs and messages from my ancestors, my higher powers, my guardian angels, whatever you want to refer to them as. Let me know how long I'll be in this situation and how it would play out. Um, this was the very first sign I received and the only live and action sign I received. The other signs occurred in my dreams. Um, so he weighs up the weed and told out to be 1.4 grams. Now, for those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams isn't a lot. 
even if you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything isn't a lot. So I ain't have much on me, but you look at that number, 1.4. Imagine I got a whiteboard right here. Yeah. 1.4 on this board, and I took an erase, and I just erased the point, the decimal. What number would you see? 14. Hence the title of the book. Now, did I catch that initially? Absolutely not. It went clean over my head. But, you know what I'm saying, that was the very first sign I received. Um, so they put everything on paper again. I can't read it, but they say sign it. I sign it. They say thumbprint it. <laughs> I thumbprint it. So we, we get back in the van. I look at the uh, clock on the radio. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. These folks arresting me at like 11 a.m. So I've been in custody all day. I'm like, I don't work with these folks. You know, it's no way they're not taking me home by now. So we riding. We riding. 40, 50 minutes pass. And we arrive at a facility detailed with tall walls and barbed wire. I was like, okay, we're just getting started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we enter the facility, go to the nurse's office, do a quick physical. Then they take me to a room to put me put me in my official uniform. They gave me a plastic bowl and a plastic spoon. And then we took me upstairs to the second floor to the, where the men house, and we get to cell 209. Um, mind you, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, so people are asleep. So the CO opens the door. My psych is thrown instantly by the setup of the cell. The setup of the cell is number the big rectangle. I say 15 yards in length, 10 yards in width. Um, immediately, I see a huddle of bodies sleeping, and they're sleeping on wooden like wooden bunks, wooden planks. Um, across from the I, I, in the in the book I describe it looks like a slumber party. Across from the slumber party, there are two Chinese inmates standing up against the wall, wide awake, watching the rest of them sleep. So, of course. They been them being awake, we make eye contact. The last thing them folks expect to see come walking through this door was brother with locks. The last <laughs> thing I expect to see was these two Chinese folks watching other Chinese folks sleep. So we had this awkward moment of just eye contact, trying to feel each other out, make sense of what's going on. Um, so I do a head count. Hope somebody speaks English. <laughs> do a head count. Okay, including me, it's 15 of us in this cell. I count the beds. It's nine in total. I'm like, well, it makes sense why it looks like a slumber party on the on the beds then. Um to the left is the bathroom. It's his own separate room, but all the walls are made of glass so everybody in the cell can see inside. Have a basic sink, a squat toilet, so pretty much a hole in the ground you got to squat over. The shower ain't nothing but a, a water hose and the shower head duct taped together. You got black mold coating the walls, gnats and insects and stuff flying around. So it's not the most sanitary place, to say the least. Um, so I approach the slumber party. I'm trying to find a spot to lie down. <laughs> and what did it, you know what I'm saying? They make room for me and they had me set my bowl and my spoon and the cubbies up underneath the bed. So I lay down between these two Chinese dudes, with my hands on my chest like this here. And I'm standing at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in. Like, hey, boy, you in here for real, for real? You know what I'm saying? There ain't been like no judge, no lawyer. Like, it ain't been the typical process we've seen in TVs and nothing like that. So nobody, we don't know how long we finna be here. What's, what's your vibe? Me. What's your vibe on the dudes in the cell with you? I mean, um, they sleep. You know what I'm saying? It's only the only people. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. They, you know, they everybody else sleeps. So I'm like, I'm just hey, we in here with 14 other Chinese men. More than likely, none of these folks speak English. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody knows we in here. It's not really looking too good, player. You know what I'm saying? But I, did you have it? Do you had people waiting on you? Did they know you were coming? So like, is there any yeah. idea that you're you're not where you're supposed to be? Yeah, like I was supposed to. Like folks knew I was going to show up to that event, so I'm like, of course I didn't show up. So I'm like, hey, I, just, I, I mean, I'm I'm locked up now. I really don't know what's going on outside the walls, and I, I so I, I can't even control that. I can only right. control what's going on right now, and as of right now. Um, I got to hold myself accountable. 
I can't sit here and be upset or point the finger or place the blame on anybody for me being in this predicament but me. So right. with that, I made a conscious decision. I knew the repercussions from it. So now that things have hit the fan and here we are, hey, it is what it is. I got to take this to the chin, however way it's going to play out. So for sure, that's it. it, it, it ain't no point of crying over spilled milk still. It is what it is. Now, moving forward, what needs to take place to speed this process up? Well, people got to realize you in here. You were supposed to meet folks at that event. You didn't show up. I'm sure they called you and you ain't answered. Is that a red flag? No, nah, not, not really, but it's not weird. yet. Now, when you don't show up for work Saturday and Sunday, our busiest days of the week, all hell's breaking loose because now they got to find somebody to cover all your classes last minute. And one of those colleagues I was going to meet at that event, me and her worked at the same school. And she from Atlanta, too. You know what I'm saying? So she going to know, all right, he ain't show up to the event. Now he ain't showing up for work. Red flag. Something's wrong. I'm out. Yep. Boom. That's one factor. Other That's factor. a good thing. I mean, you could you could have been over there as a tourist by yourself, just traveling and exploring Man. China. Um, <laughs> and you just end up in this jail and no one knows you're there and you can't speak the language. It's like, it's one of these, one of these never ending stories where like, you teach yourself Chinese to tell how to figure out how to get out of jail. <laughs> oh, me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, that's one phase. The other phase I'm like, I had a girlfriend at the time that still lived in America and we talked regularly. I said, when I don't respond to her messages, our hell is breaking loose. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So here it is Friday morning. You were definite about that one. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to find you. <laughs> on me. So I'm like, it's Friday morning now. Come Monday. Hopefully the search for me will begin then. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. definitely when I don't show up for work Saturday and Sunday, they're going to know, all right, something's wrong. So I'm like, I'm going to have to at least sit through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. So come Monday, we, we, we just going to thug it through the weekend. And then come Monday, we'll buckle up and figure this shit out. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Let's take it one step at a time. Um, <clears throat> so, but yeah, we locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. And literally all I had was that one plastic bowl and that one plastic spoon for 14 days straight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what kind of soup? Was it any good? Uh soup was it was always some form of vegetable soup. Um, okay. either vegetable. They didn't keep you real, they didn't keep you really pumped up with protein and, no, and no, full yeah. energy. Probably, I but I wouldn't even eat eat meat while I was out there. So I was already okay. practicing a vegetarian pescetarian diet. Only the meats I did eat was lamb or seafood. Aside from that. I stayed away from it. Uh, so I really wasn't even pressed. We only had, it was only like two days when they served me. So, I, but it wasn't like I was pressed about it anyway. Um, right. So, but it, it, the soup hit or miss. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it had a little flavor. Sometimes it was just hot ass water with vegetables. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? And that's, but, that's uh, what you're getting. That's what you're getting for your nourishment. Oh, you know that's it. <laughs> so, um, so those, yeah, mat, those mats and black flies start looking tasty. <laughs> I got to eat something that's solid or something, <laughs> or something. And they gave us fat, like these bread rolls with every meal as well. So we always had bread rolls to sop the soup up with. But you know what I'm saying? It was very cheap. Sounds so delightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was something. It was something. I lost a lot of weight while I was in there. For sure. I, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. A lot of weight, boy. It was crazy. But, um, yeah, so, you know what I'm saying, you don't leave the cell. You know what I'm saying, I'm in there with 14 other men I can't speak to. So the first three days, it was a lot of reflecting, a lot of, lot of reflecting. Um, Did they try to communicate with you? Oh, of course. You know what I'm saying? Especially, so every morning we wake up at 6.30. So when I got to the cell, it was like 4-something. So I was only able to sleep for like an hour and some change before it was time to get back up. So of course everybody see me now, and everybody, everybody, and their mama trying to talk to me, but we can't. You know what I'm saying? They don't speak a lick of English. 
I barely know any Mandarin, so it's like, you know what I'm saying, we can't even communicate to each other, even though we want to. I, like, I can tell they know it's all genuine uh, curiosity. You know what I'm saying? It's all on that all type right. of time. But it's like, man, I'm just as interested in learning about y'all as y'all are in learning about me, but we can't even do it. Is, so was this a local facility just to Beijing, or is it, was this like a regional facility? I mean, I think, obviously you didn't know then. Like, um, I think are these people Beijing? Because it was the name of the it was Beijing Jail Number Six. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So I think so it was Beijing. I was wondering, like, there could have been people from rural China that had never seen a black guy before, oh, yeah. and they wake up laying next to you, going, "What the? Sure. What? What? Sure. Oh yeah, definitely. You can tell, like those that was the most fascinated. Yeah, you can tell them the ones ain't really been exposed to, you know, what I'm saying any foreigner whatsoever. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, um, a little shock when you wake up the next morning, and you're like, "What the? <laughs> oh me? Yeah, I'm, I, I know. I threw some sites out, my, just like my site was stolen when I when they opened that cell though. I'm like, oh no, yeah, I, I can. <laughs> All right, you know it was the same for them. So you just you just hung out in that cell for for twenty four hours a day. There was no um, yeah. There was no the like exercise or for oh, for no. the first three days. Yeah, for the first three days, and then I moved to a new cell, and now I'm amongst uh, three other foreigners. One is a Russian dude from Russia. He only speaks Russian to Mandarin, so I can't talk to him. Uh, the other foreigner is a Chinese American from California. He's fluent in uh, Mandarin and English, and then the third foreigner was a Brazilian from Brazil. Of course, he speaks Portuguese, uh, English, and Mandarin as well. So, of course, not I'm talking to them. So I got somebody to talk to. So this this is when it's I wanted whole, to hear some English. It was crazy. Like I walk into the cell, my head down. Like I ain't even the fact that I'm getting moved to a whole. I just got used to the first cell. Now here I am, they moving to me to a whole new cell. I got to get used to it. I got to do the same thing all over again. So I just got my head down. I ain't even trying to engage with nobody. And then I just said, "Hey, man," I look up like. Well, who just said that? <laughs> who just said that? And I see them waving me down I'm like, "What was up?" So now I'm I'm lit. Now we got somebody to talk to. So we just this was the same out. setup though with with fifteen other guys, or was this? But this cell is the same exact setup. But this, but this cell had a lot had more some foreigners in there. They had more supplies than we did in the first cell. Though they had stools to sit on. They had commissary. I'm like, how y'all get all of this? And that, you know, I'm saying that. But now I'm starting. I got somebody to talk to. Now I can start connecting the dots as far as how this process works and how the jail operates, because everything has been explained to these folks. They know all the information to the fullest detail, what their charges are specifically, how many days they're sentenced, all of that. So they did tell them that. That Was that in the documents that you signed? I have no. Yeah, clearly, yes, it was. I didn't learn what them documents was until I'm talking to these folks. They're like, "Oh yeah, they ain't tell you none of this." I'm like, "Nah, bro. Here I am." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, they blown away like that. I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, bro. So, oh man, that's messed up. <laughs> man, I'm like, that's what makes the story what it is. <laughs> I, mean, it is I mean, it is what it is, and you don't really. I mean, you probably had no idea to even consider that this is is almost a possibility as you take off onto this journey. Man, I'm just happy to talk to somebody now. <laughs> that great, uh, phrase "misery loves company." Man, yeah. what? We, you would have thought we grew up together. <laughs> Has they been there quite a while? Um, yeah, they were there just like a few days, um, more than, than I few more days. was at that point. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Chinese dude, he was sentenced five days and, uh, Brazilian, he was sentenced 10. Um, so, they, I, so this, I mean, this almost makes sense. Like if you had understood the process that was going on, this is almost better than like the American, like oh, yeah. drawn out long ass, like you just get caught, you get two days in jail. 
There isn't hiring lawyers. There isn't this like you yeah, get caught yeah. and you're guilty. So, you just go to jail for two days and then you're out. It's two days. I mean, but it's different. But you didn't understand the process. No, not at all. Not at all. Performance <laughs> is different. Now they'll send whatever they send us, you you're gonna do that time, but you're gonna do more than that time because once you're released, they deport you from that country immediately. Right. So um, right. with that being said, it's a, it, it, the process is drawn out a little bit longer because the immigration dude has to find a plane ticket for you. And then you got to meet with him and give him somebody that can buy that plane ticket for whenever, for whatever ticket he finds. So whatever that data, uh, whatever the date is on that ticket, that's your actual release date. You know what right. I'm saying? So oh, you're going to okay, do gotcha. more time than you actually. But if you're, if you're just the average Chinese citizen and, oh, and you do you your days, uh, you don't. You just you're just in for two days. You're in for five days. Like in in the U.S., it's like your sentence is ninety days. Or, you know, like we're we're putting people in jail for for what I would consider an extended period of time. Where in, it seems like in China, the 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 punishment actually almost fits the crime closer. Facts, and but it's like they locked up twenty four hours. Well, yeah, there is that. And we don't leave the cell at all. Wow. Ain't no yard time, ain't no rec time, none of that, bro. You in that cell, bro? You don't leave it. Do they <laughs> you know just bring, do they bring like a soup cart down the oh, yeah. and, Every, and fill your bowl? Nurses up? come by to sell, the COs come by to sell to do count, the chef come by to sell to bring food. Like everybody comes by to sell. The trash people come by to like everybody comes by us. We don't leave. <laughs> you That's get somewhere to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> you get somewhere to sit down. So um so yeah, so um on day 14, that's when the folks just finally call my name to come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't, you know, they finally come my name to come on. Um, take me downstairs, have me change back into my regular clothes, have me sign some more stuff I couldn't read. <laughs> and then they take me straight to my apartment to pack up the rest of my stuff and then straight to the airport where I was deported from the country, all within like six hours. You know what I'm saying? After getting released, yeah, they got me up out of there. So, so they must have contacted someone on the out. Did you give them contact information to find someone to get that ticket for you? Yeah, or yeah. So, um, on day seven, that's when we met with immigration, and we had to uh, give him somebody that uh, who can pay for our ticket once whenever our time was up. Um, so that's how that played out. So I was only able to make contact with the outside world one day for like five minutes, <laughs> and then after yeah. that, it was no communication till I was released. That's crazy. So you, so you, did they send you back to Atlanta, or did they just yeah. drop you off at the nearest coast? No, <laughs> no, they gave. It was a flight back to Atlanta. Um, but I was, man, I was, I was so I was lit on that flight back from because uh, it was a connecting flight from uh, China to Seattle, then Seattle to Atlanta. So from <laughs> China to Seattle was ten hour flight. I was flying with Delta, had unlimited drinks. Boy, I got. I can Whoa. I can only I can only imagine getting on that plane and taking off. You're like, I am not in fucking China anymore. Yeah. I'm done. Even then, it's like the people I'm sitting next to, I'm like, but these folks don't even know. The last two weeks I just endured. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't even know. They sitting next to a dude fresh out. You know what I'm saying? That's was, crazy. So now so now you end up back in Atlanta and yeah. you, you got no job. Like yeah, you can't go back everything. and teach Chinese kids English. Yeah, I lost everything. Money still in China, everything. I'm like, well, it's all oh, bad. yeah. So, so how did that work? Did they pay you through? Did it was it like you were a Chinese? Um, mm-hmm. You had like a, a visa, yeah. and it was through yeah. the Chinese banks and all that. Yeah. So everything is there. Yeah. 
and so now you're just back because because you, you were you know that's almost where it wasn't an advantage to not have stability here is because you probably just packed up and you didn't know where you were going to go next so you just took everything yeah on me i'm like i ain't no telling where i'm gonna be who i'm gonna be after this year but i knew this was going to be a great step towards me discovering myself learning right. what it is i wanted to do and Helping me choose a career path and all of that, you know. So I knew China was going to do exactly what it did. I didn't think it was going to play out. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to play out like that, but for sure. Right. So did you? So what did you? What? What now? Like you're sitting yeah. there, you get back, um, and you're like, shit, I got to make some money. Uh, yeah. What? What did you do? So the only. So like I said, it was pretty much how it was when college football came to end. I'm like posing all these questions, like what's next? How we feel? You know what I'm saying? I'm back at square one. But the difference between now versus when football ended, I have experience. Like before, I ain't had no experience. I ain't got just regular, any type of experience. My, my experience on, on working on the other side of the world. But it's going to open up doors. It's going to open up opportunities. This is going to create opportunities for me. Um, I just got to put myself out there. But it's like you already had your foot uh, in education. So it's like let's continue to, you know what I'm saying, Stay in that field for now, and especially if they see you, you was teaching overseas. Oh, your folks gonna folks gonna hire you, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you young, you're a male. It's a female dominated uh, how, industry anyway. How was the how is the reporting on getting picked up for a gram and a half a hash in China um, when you apply for jobs in the United States? Oh, if I didn't write this book, none of that. It just, it just goes away. You get deported from China. They don't like send That's put it right. on your permanent record. <laughs> like like nobody. I mean, it's on your passport. I, I'm guessing, but no, no, it doesn't follow me anywhere. They just Literally. kick your ass out. Can you go back to China? Uh, next year. <laughs> next year. Oh, so there, so there is a probationary period. Yeah, they put me on a five year ban. Okay. Okay. So that's not horrible. So it's not, it's not like, you know, you wonder, okay, I got deported. It's kind of like, I have a felony. I have to report yeah. it, but it's nothing like that. It's uh, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. Cause that could, <laughs> that could have screwed you over pretty hard. Um, yeah. Could have. Yeah. But yeah, nice. It played nice. Out, played, out, it played out favorably. Um, so uh, I was got back. I got. I'm like, might as well keep my foot in education. So I was uh, teaching English. On, that's what I was teaching English online uh, through like VIP. They got a bunch of different programs and companies mm-hmm. that specialize to teach English virtually. And this was when virtual teaching. This is before virtual teaching got popular. So right, right. COVID. So with me being in the actual field, teaching in the actual classroom. To having to go behind the computer screen, I was like, I don't really like this. Like, I'd rather be in the classroom for sure. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna just wait till the school year begins in August, and like you said, I'll substitute or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's you know what I'm yep. saying in my county. Um, but I was, fell into coaching football that summer, and that was just random. You know what I'm saying? Went up to my old high school because one of my little homies that was playing football at the time was like, Hey, bro, come watch us during summer workouts. So I just went up there and was just giving pointers and stuff. And the DB coach was like, hey, bro, you trying to coach? I'm like, I ain't got nothing to lose. What's happening? You know what I'm saying? I'm open to all opportunity right now. So yep, yep. that's how I fell into coaching. Um, I started writing 14 Days in Beijing that summer as well. And one of my friends I grew up with, DeMarco Reddins, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014, like traditionally published. Oh, nice. And um, he was like, hey, bro, you ain't, you ain't think about writing a book about the experience? I'm like, well, that's a good-ass idea. I don't even know where to start, but that's a great idea. He even took it further, took my phone from me, went to my notes, left me a five-layer outline. And I started filling in the outline. And 
with me filling in the outline, I caught a flow for how I wanted to tell the story. So I moved it from my phone to Google Docs so I could type it up. And four months later, the story was written. And then just spent an additional six months just getting it ready for publishing. So on April 4th, 2019, that was the day I was arrested in China. On April 4th, 2020, the anniversary date, I released the very first version of 14 Days of Beijing. And I was ranked the number one new bestseller in three different genres uh, on my debut. Nice. Nice. So you did, did you do self-publishing? Yes, sir. All, all money in, all independent. Nice. Nice. And uh, did you do, did you, um, like I messed around with, I was just doing some testing with like new AI stuff and everything a while back. And I, I messed around with the, with the Google or with uh, Amazon publishing. And okay. I, I've done an ebook for uh, I've just getting started with cryptocurrency and stuff. So okay. I've done the, the smaller sure. ebooks. Um, it's a pretty nice process. Like, nice. Smooth. so for a, for a fuller book, like I've only messed around with like 10 page kind of stuff, yeah. uh, new informationals. Uh, but for the fuller book, the process is, is pretty straightforward too. Yeah. It, but Amazon has changed the game. Well, and it's not just Amazon. You got Barnes and Noble. It's a lot of different platforms that you can self publish through. But Amazon has changed the game. It's given the, for the, the power back to the creators, back to the author. First, right. the old school way you go through the traditional publishers and they got they hands full all in your your work and by the time it's all said and done it ain't even your story no more you know what i'm saying because they done switched it up so much so it gave amazon is giving the power back to us authors and the creators so you know what i'm saying it could be where did you did you do your did you do your covers i was looking at your covers on your on your profile did you did your covers so my covers all my book covers ain't number photo shoots (laughs) number photo shoots and i got a book cover design i found on fiverr that lives in the yeah. Ukraine. Shouty Carton. She got. I was good. I was wondering if you if you used Fiverr because yeah. I've uh, I've talked to a lot of authors that that get an idea and then they just put it to life mm-hmm. in in Fiverr and it's it's Facts. totally doable. So yeah. uh, that's this is a I mean this is a great story. We get a. Uh, I have a fair amount of people that are are budding authors or writers in general yeah. in my audience and. Um, we always ponder the the Amazon. Is it is it doable? And I mean, yes. here's proof proof positive. Yeah. Um, so you put the book out, and it did it sell right away. Oh, number one new bestseller, in three different genres. It was crazy. Um, like, did you have dropped. a promotional? Did you did you have a promotional strategy? Did you have anybody right. helping you? Did you just say, hey, here it is, and oh, I, I hope you know. share it? I so I just did what I knew best. You know what I'm saying? As far as just being uh uh just fluent on instagram you know what i'm saying i'm just i've always been had a social i always had a follow on instagram so i know how to work that um i was really gonna take the you know, i was really <laughs> the original game plan because i was supposed to go on tour a world tour i was supposed to hit like five different countries i was supposed to go on a cruise and then we was gonna hit london fly out to london so i was like i'm being all these different countries around the time the book is dropping so i'm gonna have so much content so I, it was going to be major. And then COVID popped in, popped uh-huh. off, shut everything down. I'm like, right. Man. So you, you, oh yeah, you released the book in April you know of 2019. Yeah. And that all started rolling out Man. about December, January, 2020. Yeah. So it played out perfectly though. You know what I'm saying? The world just, Atlanta was like the last city to shut down in America. Right. It felt like. So once they really shut us down, I'm like, okay, it's really over with, but it was perfect. Cause I'm like, everybody is at the crib now. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no telling how long we're going to be at the crib. We got a number of time on our hands. So people going to spend a lot of time on these phones. So I'm yep. like, I got to hit, you know what I'm saying? Just 
So I was trying to do the street way, like, you know what I'm saying, street marketing. Like, nah, clearly the universe, like, nah, stick to what you know best. Just use this internet. The internet has empowered everybody. So um, all I did was just, I went to, like, the middle of the night, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and changed everything. My whole social media, you know what I'm saying, platform from everything geared towards 14 days. From I made it from my personal, just strictly about 14 days. So um, the next morning, of course, I, you know what I'm saying, everybody's waking up. Now they're seeing my page and they're seeing, they're seeing the first post and they liking it. Like you see the cover, the cover's hard. The photo shoot's yeah. hard. You the, the the cover pictures is too, real, yeah. The picture's too hard. So people are like, what is this? What's going on? Um, especially, especially, especially right when you did it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was perfect, divine timing. And, yeah. Um, so I just, I had, we did a whole photo shoot. So I had plenty of photos to use to, you know what I'm saying, promote the book. And then I, we uh, had another partner record the photo shoot as well. So I had like a little commercial, you know what I'm saying, in addition to all of that. So I'm just rolling out all this content I got. Um, and, and people are looking for shit to do, so they're reading books. Exactly. They're listening to books. A lot of people ain't even know it was a book. They was like, I don't know what this is, but it, it looks good. I'm intrigued, so I'm just going. And then, you know what I'm saying? I've always, people like me, I have a great face card. People know me for playing football and right. always respected me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I'm so likable. My partner used to always, partner, DeMarco, they told me to write the book. He's like, bro, I can't wait for you to come up with a product because it's like people love you, bro. So it's like. Once you give them something to actually they can really engage in, but they're gonna eat it up. So literally that's what happened. <laughs> them folks right. ate it up. Um so on April 4th, I was <laughs> I was going to the liquor store. Uh, I was sitting outside the liquor store and something told me to like look up the book on Amazon. So I looked it up and that's when I saw it. Number one new bestseller, and I was uh number one in uh Asian dramas and plays. Then the next day I looked at it again. It went from Asian dramas and plays to American dramas and plays. I'm like, damn. So I checked it the third day. I looked at it. It went from uh, American drama and plays to the United States. It's like, like three different genres right. completely. I'm like, damn, this shit is going crazy. Back to back to back. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know how many copies I sold because I originally released the book as a series of short stories. So it was a five-book series. You know, I just took the story. I broke it up into five small books. You know what I'm saying? I released it like that. So That's, book, that's the outline book. he originally gave you. What? Well, the outline he gave me um, was did he was, say he gave you a, a five a five part outline on your phone? It was like it was like beginning scene. Oh, okay, I, gotcha, I got it. You know what I'm saying? It was simple like that. So I just started filling it in. I'm like, I'm just telling what happened verbatim from beginning to end. But um, just how we ended up releasing it, we just broke it up into small parts. Um, so my keep, like my keep best the interest peaked. Is it was that yeah. kind of the idea? Was to well, to kind of scratch. <laughs> Scratch the surface nah, and keep going, bro. or nah, bro. Like, I, I, but we was freestyling a lot, bro. Like, real talk, real. You couldn't tell me I was gonna write a book. You know what I'm saying? And he did it the traditional way. So, with me jumping off the porch and doing it the self publishing way, we experimenting together. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I had got half of my edits back from my editor like a couple weeks before it's time for, to drop the book. I was gonna leave, I was gonna drop it as one solid book. But with me only having half of the revisions, uh, half of the edits back, so I only got the first seven chapters. So I'm like, I got week one. So I'm like, I, I just drop it into two books. And then he was like, DeMarco, he's like, nah, I feel like we should split it up even more. You know what I'm saying? Take this half and split up in, in the quarters. I like so it. That's what we did. And my bestseller is 40 pages. The one that went number one multiple times, 40 pages. <laughs> 40 pages. Then went slap crazy. You know what I'm saying? So. 
you oh, lock you locked into something like perfect there. Like I amazing. see, I see you were like saying that. I was like, oh, you did that shit on purpose because now now you, you hear the first story and 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 there's more <laughs> and there's more and there's more and it just keeps building because you get the new fans from from yeah. the third one that just first hear about it, but you got all the ones from number one that exactly. bought number two and the new fans from number two and the new. I'm like, you did this up? No, nah, you guys fucking locked into it. it, is, it, is, it, is, it is, man. I ain't gonna sit here and portray this ultimate pull. It's like I've been had it all figured out. No, man. <laughs> no, it's man. growing up. You you learned it growing up in Atlanta. Learning how to hustle, man. Like yeah, you man. just have it in you. <laughs> for real, for real. He just he, he he gave me the idea. I just took it and ran with it. And you know what I'm saying? It was it was major. It was crazy. And then I end up. So I released 14 days all that's all that year. The last book dropped in December. And then on April 4th, 2021, the second anniversary day, mm-hmm. I put all five books together as one solid book. Nice. <laughs> so I truly trapped it out. So I put it all together as one book. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm selling the whole novel and got rid of the the, uh, the short story uh, series. So for those that have the original short story series, it'll be a collector's item. You know what I'm saying? Years down the line. You know what I'm saying? So that's great. That's great. So you you have two. You have kind of a saga out now. Yeah. Um, that's it's kind of a two part series. Is this going to kind of go down the same road? Is it going to be a multiple, or is it kind of is this completing well, now? Tell well, us tell us about what you got out right now. Um, I know people are going to be interested in, in reading the 14 days in Beijing, yeah. but kind of give us a little clue into what else you got out there. And uh, we're coming up close to an hour, so we'll wrap up, kind of wrap up after that. For sure. So um, I have three books. Well, no, I have four books published, three that I wrote. Um, so in addition to 14 days, you have You Love and You Learn and Real Love Never Dies. Now, 14 days, You Love, You Learn and Real Love Never Dies that's a trilogy right there. That's all part of one series. It's telling one long story. Okay. But you love you learn a real love and dies is a romance saga. It's a completely different tone. You know what I'm saying? The whole nine. But it brings everything full circle because a lot of one of the factors, uh, one of the inspirations that inspired me to write the romance saga was a lot of women <laughs> that was reading 14 Days. They was like, okay, you, you talk about this girlfriend of yours all throughout 14 Days, but you never get to speak to her. And then you get out of jail, and that's the end of the book. So what happened with you and her? What's the tea on? What's the tea on y'all? How that play out? Woo, woo, woo. So the women, you know, what I'm saying women wanted to know about Shorty how me you and her got played sucked out. into that shit, man. <laughs> it sucked you into the drama shit. <laughs> but good well, for you. Good for you for listening yeah. and giving your yeah. fans what they wanted. <laughs> but they sucked you in. Yeah, yeah. But what really sold me though, when I was doing research on the best-selling genres, and I saw romance at the top of the list, I'm like, well, I yeah. went crazy in drama. I'm like, oh, there's no fans of bus. I saw that. I said, hey, I hit, hit the mark. I said, hey, bro, send me another outline. You send well, me an outline. When, when people ask you for content, you, you give it to them. Like, you know and especially when it's more than one person. You know, yeah. you, you always have that one guy that's like, man, you really should have told about the roaches in the corner a lot more in that jail cell. And then you're like, dude, just shut up. Like, I appreciate you reading. I appreciate you reading, but come on. Does like, who wants to know about the roach that had a leg missing? Um, but, but when you have multiple women say, hey, what's this story? What happened? What happened? Like, yeah, what happened? They're not the only ones wondering. Um, the facts, literally. So I was like, all right, bet I got some for y'all. So um, got the outline. It took me two and a half weeks to write the romance saga. I, you know what I'm saying? I was locked in. I got that on paper. And um, it was supposed to be a solid book, too. And then 
we got close to um so i was going to uh, release it in august of that year yeah 2021 i was going to release it that year in august and my partner was like hey, i feel like we should split it up <laughs> he like i feel like we split up i'm like all right bro here we go you know what i'm saying so it worked the first time why not exactly and so i was like you right you know what i'm saying if it ain't broke don't fix it so we split it up into two books and um yeah so i started my publishing company in 2021 as well Cole publications llc so i all my books are published through Yips and my company, and I started a service coaching inspiring authors through the writing and publishing phase because a lot of people, those 14 days was going crazy. It was so many people reaching out to me that had aspirations of being an author since they was a child, but ain't think it was anything feasible. Then they just saw me do it and it went crazy. So, you know what I'm saying? I was work. I started working with people since 2020, um, but I, I had one person who's actually done finished and saw the whole thing all the way through, and he published this book through us. Um, back in October of last year, nice. and he was ranked the number one new bestseller in two different genres. And his book is uh, titled The Fatherless Child by Anthony McKinney. And it's about his experience growing up in rural Mississippi back in the 90s and how he was molested before the age of 10 twice by kids themselves and how that whole experience shaped him and shifted him you know what I'm saying, back then. And, of course, you know what I'm saying, to who he is today. Um, and it's a powerful, powerful, powerful read. Great, great read. He's an amazing storyteller. So I encourage y'all to tap in with that. You know what I'm saying? Get your popcorn for ready sure. for the show. You know what I'm saying? For so, sure. you know, what I'm, and I'm working with uh, some old people right now. You know, and we on the back end of getting their books published. Like we're at the victory lap almost. So I'm excited yeah. to see how their books do on the market and you know what I'm saying? just continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? Call that publication LLC. And you know nice. Saying, nice. Is that, is that, uh, I have, I'll have your, your, uh, link tree, uh, your link tree address. It's got all your information on that. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't popped up on it, but, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And somebody, somebody that would be looking for help would be able to find, be able to contact you through there. Cause oh, yeah. just go to my website, chancellorkjackson.com. You know what I'm okay, saying? Perfect. You sign up for a free consultation. We can tap in and see if we're a good fit for each other and we can make magic happen. That's awesome. You know That's awesome. Man, your story is incredible. Um I'm glad. I'm glad. Like you 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 your profile, you you popped into my messages and I was like, eh, I'm like interesting story, but just not really, really um my genre. And then yeah. I really thought about it, and it is, it is. You like you took a chance, you went out there, you um rolled with it through through some crazy shit um i really appreciate you coming and telling your story and i encourage my listeners to pick up your book and and check it out i'll have all your information in the the audio notes and the video notes and man i like to give people a couple minutes at the end to just kind of leave a a a message with the listeners um and uh, we'll wrap it up from there i got the perfect message for y'all um, the message it's a message slash quote, and it's from Nipsey Hussle. For y'all that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, y'all can Google him. Nipsey Hussle was a mogul, philanthropist, philosopher, serial entrepreneur, but well known for his rap music and his clothing line. And he's from South Central Los Angeles, he's rolling 60s Crip. And the message is long winded, running through this life like it was mine, never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what is a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? 
Whatever you choose to do, I'm going to give your heart to it. Stay strong. Nice. I appreciate it, man. I really do. Um, if you will hang out for a few minutes uh, after I drop you off, I'm going to close things up. I'll uh, chat with you in just a second. So sure. I appreciate being here, man. And uh, what an incredible story. Appreciate you, man, for sure. <laughs> All right, man. What a what a crazy story. I would definitely encourage anybody to go check out uh, check out his books. Uh, I will have his link tree information down in the in the video description in the audio notes and uh, go check it out. And this has been another edition of lots to talk about. I appreciate you listening and. Uh...